Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Mac Mullins from The CEO, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All right, before we get into episode 933 of the Talking Metal podcast, I want to thank the upper tier. These are the highest supporters on Patreon, which is why we call them the upper tier. And they are Hank Reeves, who is our highest supporting patron on Patreon. Thank you, Hank. Thank you for supporting Talking Metal, what I do with the videos and the podcasts. And thank you for providing us with some of the best vodka on the planet. That, of course, is Dash Vodka You can't go wrong drinking Dash, guys. If you're a vodka drinker, you must try it. It is so smooth, so good. Steven Saylor, thank you to Steven. He texted me recently and said his wife's birthday is August 21st, the same day as my wife's birthday, Emily. So very very cool, Steven, and always love getting your texts. Thank you. Andrew Miller up in Canada. Thank you, Andrew. Stephen Hoker, Brad Dahl, Chris Riley, Dan Gurwan, Denny Striegel, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Matt Carroll, and Mike Jones. You are the upper tier supporters on Patreon, and your support means the world to me. I never take it for granted. And some of you guys have been been with me a while, like Mike Jones going way back to November 2017. Wow, Mike. And of course, Steve Hoker going back to October 2017. So great stuff, guys. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. And thanks for listening to this podcast, the Talking Metal Podcast. We got a great guest today, so stay tuned. All right, we're going to talk with Mac from the CEO Coming up shortly, I did want to mention that we are moved into the new house and, uh, you know, it takes a while though, man. I feel like, you know, I purged before we moved, but I feel like I'm purging even more now that we're here. I feel like I paid these movers to carry a bunch of stuff that now that I've gotten in the purge 
mindset. I'm like, why the hell did I pack this up and, and bring it? And it, it's it's wild how the material items, I think they, they bog you down, man. I, I really do. I'm, I'm like, you know, starting to have this new mindset. Less is more, man. Really, I, I, I took more CDs to the CD shop today on my lunch break. And good stuff, too. And I know you guys get mad at me when I say this, but I mean, there were like Aerosmith CDs in there, The Stones, uh, King's X, a lot of great stuff I took over today. And they didn't want it. They didn't want the this, this shit. Actually, they took the Stone CD. They gave me $2 for it. Um, that and actually there was like two or three other ones that they took. Uh, a Judas Priest one they took. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I was just like, I probably shouldn't have given it to them, but I don't have a CD player. The CD player in my car now, it's like in the glove compartment. It's not convenient at all. I don't really know where I'm supposed to listen to CDs. I have a CD ROM that hooks up to my Mac, but that doesn't even work anymore properly. You know, plug it in and it, it like I try to digitize stuff off it and import stuff and it just like freezes and spits the CD out. So I'm done. I feel like the CD is is completely useless. What else, the other thing is I brought some vinyl over and and just some old crappy vinyl. Some of it scratched to hell. And they paid like way more for that. I mean, they, they wanted that. Anyways, half the CDs I brought over, including the Aerosmith stuff, they were just like, they didn't want it. They were like, they sent it back. They were like, we don't want it. So it's just mind boggling because through the years, I've probably spent tens of thousands of dollars on CDs. I mean, I was the guy when I lived in New York City, one of my favorite things to do was go to the Virgin Mega Store, which was this amazing store right in the middle of Times Square, and buy CDs. Not to mention I worked at MTV and VH1, and we used to get a lot of free promo CDs, but that was my thing. I just I was a CD hoarder. I had nothing else, really. And it wasn't just me. I mean, my, my music-loving friends were the same way, but I don't know if it's sad. Initially, I wanted to hold on to this stuff because I was like, well, I've invested so much money in it, but sometimes, I don't know, it's just not its just not worth anything. So I'm all in on the vinyl, all in on the streaming. We're getting the house wired. I'm going to be able to have my vinyl here in the room I'm talking to you from right now and broadcast it basically throughout the house. We got some wiring done. We also have Sonos. So it's going to be a, a mishmash of high fidelity sounds, uh, rigged or you know components rigged together for some some great sounding music in the Striegel household at least that's the plan had the AV guy here today to kind of help us make it happen one of the records I brought over to the record store in Summit Scotty's Records which have basically again deemed CDs uh, worthless Summit New Jersey that is um, was one they didn't want they didn't take whoop i just dropped my notebook they didn't uh they didn't want all the cds i took or i'm sorry vinyl i took over they took most of it but i brought this one home some of it i just told them to keep even though they weren't going to buy it but this was to me it's utfo which is a hip-hop band and anthrax and the song is lethal i haven't listened to this in decades it's a single and it was something that anthrax did with a hip-hop band before they worked with Public Enemy. Now, this was probably after, yeah, it was 1987, so it was after Run DMC had worked with Aerosmith, but still a pretty 
significant part of crossover hip hop metal history, if you will. Uh, Anthrax working with the band Lethal again, bef- way before, at least by a year or two before they worked with Public Enemy. So not really way before, but a little bit. So I, I do want to once I get my, I'm getting a new turntable. Once I get that hooked up, I do want to give that a spin, at least one more time. But um, yeah, man, it's sad, really, how how CDs are just devalued. I I, I do think it's sad, but that to me doesn't mean I need to take up precious space or have a storage facility. Cause honestly I've, I've probably less room the way this new house is set up to store things than I did in the old house. So yeah, yeah, sorry. Yawning. I'm not bored. I'm just tired, man. I've been staying up late watching this kiss documentary. I watch like a half hour every night. Actually the first night I watched in its entirety on the first night and the second part, it's like a little half-hour blocks. Doesn't mean it's not any good. It is good. It I I do appreciate how they say they offered Peter and Ace the opportunity to be involved, and they declined. You know, but I don't know if that really makes them look like jerks for not wanting to be involved. I I don't. I think that's fine. I mean, there's a lot that goes in. You know, I know Peter Chris for a fact doesn't like to do anything unless he's getting paid. So maybe Kiss said, "Hey, you can be involved in this. We'll we'll interview you for this, but we're not going to pay you." And that could have ticked him off. You know, Ace too, or maybe they just didn't want to be involved. But it all comes down to money at the end. So it is interesting how they put this disclaimer up on at the beginning of each night. It's a two night episode saying, you know, basically Peter and Ace declined to be involved in this which is kind of makes them look bad like oh they didn't want to touch this but on the flip side we don't know their version of events and how much money they wanted to get from it because at the end of the day kiss makes probably makes money off of this right i mean they probably licensed something to a and e and if not anything else it continues their brand and values their brand but I would bet you they made some money off of it somehow but it is uh you know it's a great advertisement having said that it's it's really well done I read somebody online I think it was Chris from Decibel Geek Podcast wrote oh they don't talk about the music it's a great watch I think he said but they don't talk about the music and I hear what you say I mean they they do kind of skip over some of my favorite records not really mentioning them all that much like um, Love Gun, for example, Rock and Roll Over, for example. I don't even really think they mentioned those records, which are two of the best Kiss records, in my opinion. But, you know, what Chris was saying is they don't talk about the music much. And I, I do think they that's not entirely true. I mean, they do talk about the music, but it's more about the personal relationships and I know I used to work on documentaries I worked on the Marvin Gaye Legends documentary David Bowie Legends Elton John Legends U2 Legends these were all great shows I'm very proud to have been involved in them and my professional video TV career they are some of my proudest moments Um, and when you have only a limited amount of time to tell the the story of a a band that's been around for 50 years how, how much how much time do you really have to touch upon every one of their records? You you don't, you don't. And I mean, Kiss is a band that's consistently, well, not, not in recent years, 
that's my kids screaming. I don't know this house, it, the sound travels. So I'm sorry if you hear <laughs> shrieking in the back. No one's being murdered. It's just, uh, I think they're on video games. I, I wish they were outside playing, but it is over a hundred degrees. So I, I can't really argue with that today. Um, but what I was saying about the documentary, there's only so much you can do in these documentaries and, and you do have to uh, pick your poison and what you're going to talk about. And honestly, the appeal that you need or the the eyes that you need to get on the documentary are people who aren't maybe hardcore KISS fans and don't want to have you uh, break down the track listing on Dress to Kill uh, you know, in in its entirety, and go deep on something like that. They, people just don't care. You know, it's well, yes. Oh, rock and roll all night, Detroit Rock City, forever. Uh, you know, they and I don't even think they spent much time talking about that song, if any. So, yeah, man. So it's like, uh, I I think it's an excellent excellent watch. I'm, I'm kind of I'm just riffing here guys. Obviously I'm all over the place. I kind of lost my train of thought as to where I was even going with this. But I really truly enjoyed the the Kiss A&E biography and highly recommend that you guys check it out if you haven't seen it. Um read that Queensryche is having some new music. I know Steven Saylor had sent me uh, one of the new Queensryche records. I guess they have three studio records. The first two I was really familiar with, and one of the CDs I actually did hold on to was the one that Steven Saylor sent me, their last record, The Verdict from 2019. And I don't know, I've been really jamming that a lot lately. I have to admit, Steven, I, I am streaming it for the most part just because, as I previously mentioned, I don't currently have a CD player at this time except for the one in our one of our two cars but what a great record yeah and um i'm excited to hear that queensrike is working on new music it does seem like we're getting further and further away from what used to be queensrike with you know scott not being involved but you know on the last record scott wasn't on that either the verdict of course had had toddled tory playing drums and vocals so that's kind of interesting kind of interesting but I'm all for these bands putting out new music. I think as long as they're doing it from an artistic release point of view as opposed to making money, because seriously, how how are these bands making any money anymore, these old-timers that put out music? I, I just can't imagine it's very profitable. I think what they make money off of is touring, which even makes it more cool that they do it, you know, because... Again, it isn't profitable. So I, I respect any artist out there who's making art for art's sake. Absolutely. So cheers to Queensryche. They are going to be playing in New Jersey. Unfortunately, I'm going to make my first return to concerts, the Eagles at Madison Square Garden on October 22nd. And then things will kick into gear, assuming COVID is completely out of our life or for the most part out of our life. I know different parts of the country in the United States are kind of at different stages. I feel like things are definitely opening up rapidly in New Jersey, but you know, my mom, it's funny. She lives in central Jersey. She came up to North Jersey the other day to visit us and she was just shocked at how many people were still wearing masks in public um, because down by her, they're not. And, uh, like I, you've heard my opinions on the mask wearing. I, I, I'm actually 
making it a point not to wear masks, not because I'm a dick, but because I want people to know that if you get vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Now, sure, are there some people who haven't been vaccinated who aren't wearing masks? That Yeah, but for me personally, going into a grocery store and being one of the few that's not wearing a mask in my hometown, I'm, I'm not trying to scare people, but on the flip side, I'm trying to assure people that you get that vaccine, you don't have to wear the mask. I mean, I, I read a poll that 40% of people who are vaccinated are still wearing masks in public. It makes zero sense to me. So I hope on August 22nd, when Emily and I return to the concerts, that the masks are are gone. I, I really am. And I don't want to be in this world where we have to wear masks to make other people comfortable. I, I'm just, I'm done with it. I really am. And I'm not going to get political here because it's, for me, it's not a political issue whatsoever. So that's my rant. Now here's my interview. All right. This is Mac of the band CEO. I checked out some of their music. I liked it, man. If you like like contemporary heavy hard rock and you know metal in the vein of seven dust or ultra bridge and you know that type of kind of vibe even you know kind of what wolfgang's up to now wolfgang van halen you know that this is going to kind of fit in that category somewhere and it's good it's really it's solid stuff and this guy's name is mac and he is the CEO, literally. And this is his band. His band that, that we're going to be talking about is called the CEO. So here we go. My interview with Mac. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have a real interesting guest on the podcast today. His name is Mac Mullins from the CEO. Mac, how are you? I'm doing great and excited to be talking metal. Absolutely, man. And congratulations. The album is out today. Redemption by the CEO. Sounds great. I want to get the backstory on this. I want to talk to you about some of my favorite songs off the record, but let's set it up first. Who's in this band? Because there's some significant players in the band with you. Absolutely. And, and, and obviously the, you know, the biggest player there is uh, Vinnie Hornsby, bass player for Seven Dust is our bass player. Too. Wow. Chase Brown, guitar player. Uh, Bo Anderson is our current guitar player. Mike Dunn played guitar on several of the tracks on the uh, record. Joseph Herman's our drummer. And uh, myself. And I, I think covered everybody. Right on. And what about like the producer and the engineer? Because I got to tell you, the sound of this record sonically is intense, really, really rich, really warm sounding and, and heavy as hell, obviously. But was there a production team involved with you? Yeah. I mean, you know, Elvis Basquette, you know, I mean, the, the name speaks for itself. I mean, the guy's got platinum records, all his walls. And, uh, you know, he's, he's worked, uh, you know, got a number one album with Wolfgang Van Halen out right now. Uh, you know, he does Alter Bridge, he does the Seven Dust records. So, I mean, you know, c- clearly that guy and his team are top notch and extremely hot right now. So, the fact that we even got in front of him uh, basically is a coup. You know, so if, if it wasn't for Vin, then, uh, you know, I, we, we wouldn't have been there. But Vinny put the good word in for us. Uh, and we had the best time down there with those guys. You would think that, you know, a guy that has you know, slash in his studio the week before we show up, you know, might not be that excited to see a bunch of country boys from Georgia show up, but not only was he like super professional and cool, 
I mean, the, the guy just treated us like we were just one of his boys, you know, like he's known us forever. So got super talented, the whole team, super talented. We loved them. They treated us wonderfully. Awesome. Very cool. And I want to get into your history because you have a very interesting history, but first let's talk about some of the songs off the record. Uh, And we'll start with the title track. Just redemption is the title track and man, just a, a, just a great song. And a lot of these songs, including this one, I feel like a sense of, you know, there's the darkness, but there's also the light. There's a sense of hope in, in these songs. And they really, you know, kind of picked me up when I was listening to them. Can you talk about some of the, maybe the lyrics and specifically the title track? Blind faith judgment is for fools. Uh, one other line is the legacy is ours to choose. Can you talk a little bit about the message behind this song? Yeah. And I'm glad you picked up on that whole, you know, dark to light uh, subject, if you would, because there's a lot of it in there. I mean, we're talking about some really dark subjects from, uh, you know, suicide, which, you know, I experienced via my sister last year while we were recording. I mean, Oh man, I'm sorry. And of course, you know, a track like Redemption, you got to think about when we were recording this and there were race riots going on in the world. There was a a political campaign, you know, and and there was a lot of what seemed like fighting in the world. But, you know, your friends and your family and your coworkers and and that kind of stuff, you know, you you didn't necessarily feel that way, even though we were told, you know, we should be fighting each other. We should be that kind of thing. So it was really an argument or a pushback to social media or the national media altogether and say, hey, you know, this isn't who we are. There's, there's more that unites us than divides us. And what this country and what we need is a, a little redemption. So that's, it was really just kind of a, an argumentative pushback to these people. Hey, we're going to rise up as a people and say, Hey, we're not going to take this division. Right on. Love that. Love that. Another song that really hit me. I mean, the riff was just insane when it, when it starts off, but the storm, again, one of my favorite tunes off the album redemption by the ceo again some really great lyrics on this out of the shadow out of the shadows dark turns to light correct me if i'm misquoting you here but uh, another one is the silent war can you talk a little bit about the storm what's the storm yeah you know again when we were writing this song and very much in tune i'm not, I'm not very good at writing you know fantasy type lyrics you know you know a la you know you know, story type songs like an Iron Maiden would do. I love it, but I'm just not that good at doing it. So I take a lot of my lyrical um, cues from what's, you know, personal things that have happened to me and what's going on in the world. And at that time, there was a lot of, a lot going on about, you know, guys like uh, Jeffrey Epstein and, you know, a lot of human trafficking, child trafficking in the world and that type of thing. And, and that's a, a very serious topic. And a lot of it's going on in the shadows behind the scene that, maybe John Q public isn't necessarily aware of. And this, this song really just says, you know, Hey, we know you guys are out there and um, they're coming for you. Right on bourbon street. Uh, I, I got like the message from this song. Cause when I read the title, it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, I, I felt like, I don't know, almost like a message of believing in yourself. Is this, is this uh, accurate? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those autobiographical type songs, you know, it's just like, look, you know, I, I came from nothing. I grew up in, you know, foster homes for the first seven years of my life. And, you know, that you imagine that was a tough road to hold. And but, you know, just a poor farm kid from uh, central Virginia that, you know, basically stood on the arena floor looking up at my heroes on stage and saying, hey, I want to do that. Well, through a lot of hard work and a lot of you know belief in yourself we were able to accomplish that. And this song really is about, you know, it's like life is tough. It's going to be tough. So smile, you know, 
drink your shot straight if you need to, but uh, you have everything that you need in this world right now to be successful too. So that's really what that song's about. Right on. And we are talking with Mac from the CEO. The album Redemption is out today. By the time you guys hear this uh, next Tuesday, it will have been out a few days already. So definitely do yourself a favor, check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, or you can actually buy vinyl and cassette. You guys had cassettes printed up for this. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, it's a cassette. You know, I, I don't know how many people in the world have cassette players. I sure don't anymore, but uh, it's so retro. It's so cool. So, you know, we're going to make sure we have something uh, for everybody uh, across the spectrum. Right on. And you spoke a little bit about your, your upbringing, which was, it sounds like a, a rough upbringing, at least for the first part of your life. You grew up in foster homes where you, can you talk a little bit about that and how that has affected where you are today? Because besides being a musician with this band, you are also a very successful CEO and entrepreneur, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, tell us your story. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the, those are the, um, you know, the years that are, you know, very formative in your life, you know what I mean? And, and obviously it made a major impact on mine, you know, uh, in, in various different ways. And, and either people that grow up or, or go through that type of environment, you know, take that as a, uh, a negative and they swallow, they, they swallow in it and they, they live in it for a period of time and it becomes who they are or they rise above it. You know, so just because you, you know, this was your start doesn't mean that's going to be your finish. And there's a lot of kids in foster homes and, and that type of thing who go on to do extraordinary things. Uh, and and it, it really, and I tell that story because, you know, I want someone out there who feels like that maybe they're behind the eight ball. You know, maybe they didn't have the um, same opportunities that, you know, other kids with, you know, traditional families would have. And I'm just telling them and say, hey, I made it you can make it too. Right on. And what, what line of work are you in besides doing the, the band, the CEO? I'm in banking and finance. We're securities traders, capital markets, that kind of thing. Nice. Cool. And is there plans for the CEO to play live again? We're seeing most of the country start to open back up and uh, I don't know, it seems like the perfect time for you guys to get out there. Is there plans for a tour or individual shows? both you know obviously the seven dust guys they put out their new album uh you know a a few months before we did and you know as an established national act you know they're hitting the road first they're out from june through september so once they're done then comes back home and then we'll hit the road ourselves so we're, we're we're in talks with different uh different groups about you know who we can hitch our wagon to if you would and uh right we'll go from there Right on. And Mac, what were some of your favorite bands growing up? Do you remember? Let's go way back. What are some of your earliest musical memories? And uh, how, how did they affect you as a youngster or teenager? Well, it's funny to say that because, you know, like, as we were talking about growing up in the foster homes, you know, there wasn't a lot of music around. We didn't listen to, you know, rock music or country music per se. I mean, it's, I don't remember there being a whole lot of music around. So when I got adopted, my very first Christmas, and it was like a you know one of those proper traditional American Christmases and big tree and gifts. And I think the first gift I got was Kiss Alive Two, and you can imagine if you know that record, you know it's this it's this double yeah. album with a giant gatefold and it's got the stage in the front, and it just 
the, the packaging of it all and you know, how they put it together. And of course you hear the crowd and the, the PA announcer and the bombs going off in the background. It blew me away. I thought it was the, the greatest thing I'd ever seen and ever heard. And that was obviously the, the catalyst for me to become a musician. I'm like, whatever this is, I want to do this. So I was a huge Kiss fan for years. I mean, in fact, I didn't think anybody else wrote music other than Kiss right. for the longest time. And then someone slipped uh, Van Halen into my uh, Walkman and that was a game changer for me as well. So you know, it was Kiss, it was Van Halen, it was Foreigners. It was just traditional hard rock, you know, melodic type bands that were really happening in the 80s. So those were probably my backbones, but one of the funny uh, sidebars to that was also a big, like late 70s, early 80s funk fan too. So I love oh, cool. James and the Gap Band and Commodores and stuff like that. So I, I love that stuff too. Right. And, and it's interesting because I do hear like grooves and stuff in the, yeah. in the music that I, that now that you mentioned that, that kind of actually musically makes sense. The, the writing on the record, are you working with the guys in the band to write the song? Is it a collaborative effort or are you individually kind of writing songs and bringing them to the table? How does the yeah, writing yeah. process we're, we're lucky in that, you know, the band is made up of like this, you know, this, this big gap between there's, there's two guys in their fifties. There's one, the drummer's in his early thirties and there's two guys in their twenties. So you can imagine the musical influences that are brought to the table and lucky for us, everybody in the band writes music. So we don't have an issue with material or having enough material. In fact, we have too much material and it, it, it which is a good thing you get to weed through you know what works and what doesn't and you know maybe these two guys go off together and write the music and they'll send it to me or the four of us will get together and write some music that kind of thing so it's very much a collaborative gumbo type experience everybody's putting their own ingredients in their own influences and what comes out is the ceo very cool and let's talk about your more about your musical kind of journey Going back, can you point to or talk about any specific concerts that really stand out in your mind as maybe life-altering or important or just really good shows to you? What are some of the the best shows you've ever seen? Uh, you know, of course, seeing Kiss for the first time uh, was was mind-blowing for me because, I mean, again... That- when What year was this that you saw them? Well, growing up in Richmond, I mean, or outside of Richmond, there wasn't a lot of big name concerts that came to town. We were usually on leg two or leg three for the, a lot of these national bands. And some of them right. never made it at all. So for me, the first time I saw Kiss, I want to say, was like on the Hot in the Shade tour, which was, you know, 89, 90 or something along that. But yeah, you know, that, you know, that was a great tour for them because they played a lot of the classic songs and it, you know, just really just it blew me away. But, you know, that, that certainly changed me. And then of course seeing Van Halen 1984 on that tour with Daily Roth and, you know, those guys were, it wasn't even like they were real human beings up there. I mean, it was just so moving to see like the greatest, what I, the greatest front man in rock and roll at that time, David Roth and Eddie Van Halen and, I mean, this giant stage and the lights. And I mean, it just, I just stood there and just mouth open and studied the whole thing. Like I was in college. It was crazy. Right on. And it's funny, you mentioned the hot in the shade tour. Cause I saw that tour too. And remember that time and in, in history, if you will. And <clears throat> what you said, it was very accurate because that was really the first time they really started diving back into the, the catalog. Because if you go back a couple of years before that, like the animalized tour, there was only like 
four songs from the 70s in the set list, but something about the Hot in the Shade tour, they really started embracing their their past, yeah, which was- They opened with, I Stole Your Love. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And at that point on, it was like, you know, the greatest thing I'd ever seen at that point. So it was, it was, it was life-changing for sure. Have you ever met any of the Kiss guys or any of the Van Halen guys? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And, you know, of course, when you're meeting your heroes, that, that could be a, either a blessing or a-, a Oh, yeah. Leader. I know you're, it. Yeah. You're, you're nervous about it because you don't know what you're going to get. And luckily for me, uh, they couldn't have been any cooler or any nicer. And it, it was like a huge weight off you because you hear your, your, your idols and they're awesome, too. So it was it was great. Very cool. And what is the, let's see, you said touring probably in the fall, right? So what's the plan of attack right now? The next steps for the band, the CEO, will you just keep doing press? Are there more videos on the way? What can we expect in the next couple months? I think for us right now, obviously we're going to continue to push the record, uh, start rehearsing uh, for shows. Obviously we're going to be an opener. So, you know, I imagine it'd be about an hour long uh, opener. We're already writing music, uh, got quite a few songs for the, the next album. Uh, so we're working on that piece and, uh, you know, the rest is just kind of, uh, you know, planning what shows we're going to do and who we're going to do them with, uh, album release parties, that kind of thing. We've got a lot on our plate right now. So it's, it's exciting time. Awesome. Well, Mac, it's been great spending some time with you here and hearing the album Redemption by the CEO. I highly recommend it to our listeners. Guys, definitely check it out. It's out now through Rat Pack Records, vinyl, cassette, CDs, streaming, you got it all. Well, again, we certainly appreciate the support and, and you know, what you guys are doing for us out there, helping to spread the word. So, you know, the pleasure was certainly mine and you know, God bless you. Thanks so much, Mac. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I would really appreciate it if you supported me on Patreon. With a $5 a month pledge, I will mail you a Talking Metal t-shirt anywhere in the world. We're stalled, man. We're stalled at 51 supporters on Patreon. What happened? We were gaining supporters left and right. Now we're stalled. So I hope I can give you some content that'll convince you maybe to show your love with a couple bucks on, on Patreon each month. It would mean the world to me. We've got a great interview coming up with Graham Oliver, the former guitar player of Saxon, of the classic Saxon, all that classic stuff he played on. And it, I've interviewed him twice now, One more, the second time that you, you're going to hear this interview uh, next week. Man, what a fun guy. And if you're into the classic metal like I am, just so many great stories. So please stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk with a keyboardist named Rob Clores, probably on the next episode. I appreciate your your support. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening to this. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com. Follow me on Instagram at, wait, did I just say at twitter.com? <laughs> I'm really out of it. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Talking Metal. That's the handle. All right, I got to go figure out the uh, sprinkler system in my house here right now. Gotta because we're gonna be gone for a little while and I wanna like set it on a timer so the the yard doesn't go dead while we're gone. But um I don't know. Everything is everything's so complicated. It's like it shouldn't take two hours to figure out the timer on a sprinkler system, right? But it does. It does. I know it. I'm prepared. All right, later. <laughs>